Hello and welcome to episode 117 of the 1099 for the week of October 30th, 2017. I'm your host, Josiah Renauden, and with me today is a co-founder and host for Kind of Funny, former IGN head of production, and a host of the hit Instagram show Nick at Night, Nick Scarpino. Nick, how are you doing today? Good, how are you? I'm doing great. I mean, really, I it is a hit. Uh, your Instagram account, it's funny, it's, it's one of my favorites to follow right now, mostly because you're super open about like your life, different positive things you're doing during the day, a bunch of things outside of games. I think when you're in games media, you could every once in a while you can get stuck in that social media rut of everyone being super negative about stuff and snarky. Um, and I appreciate kind of like how non-snarky you can be on there. How long did it take for you to feel comfortable sharing that much to what's now this massive kind of funny audience because it might feel like oh this is just my personal instagram but you know it's all of that kind of audience carries over with you yeah i mean it took me um it took me a while it's more of a uh, a process but i think the second that i realized that there's an inherent power in just sharing things with people and, and trying to be as authentic and like kind of genuine as possible. And it made it a lot easier. I think I don't naturally gravitate toward, uh, being anyone but myself. And I think a lot of times when you, you know, if you watch TV or you watch news anchors, you have these, these weird caricatures of human beings. And I just don't like that. I like the idea. I like to follow people who, who talk, open and honestly about their lives. And because I think there's a power in that. And I think there's a power to, to sort of show other people that, Hey, you know, if, if you have a little bit of a following, you don't have to put up a front. It's actually better if you don't, if it's, if you're, if you're just kind of, I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but if you're just kind of you. Yeah. And even if you do gravitate to being yourself, when you first got into games, media in general, whether like IGN and beforehand, was there kind of this, inclination they're like okay i've you've read a lot of game reviews i've seen a lot of people on camera i'm gonna try to emulate some of that because everyone to a certain extent it's hard not to you get the you get the radio voice you get the news anchor voice but was this kind of just natural for you to be like i'm just gonna do my shit and hope that works yeah kind of i mean to be to be honest though i, I do work on things uh, you know I watch myself a lot and I record myself a lot, especially when I'm doing stand-up, just to sort of see how I'm presenting myself to the world. And you learn a lot about yourself that way. And that's, you can't help but have that influence you a little bit. Um, you know, for instance, I know I talk a little faster than I probably should more often than not. And so that's something that I do work on. But ultimately, I've just never been really, I've never seen myself as a person that would do those kinds of roles in the world. Like, I'm like, there's a lot of people who really want to be a news anchor and want to have that authoritative voice on certain things. And that's just not something that I gravitate toward. So we were talking before about your Instagram account and Nick at Night, and that's kind of how I saw your stand-up comedy. And I would assume that has to be unique for you. One, because like, hey, new thing you're trying in front of a new group of people. But with Kind of Funny, you have this crowdfunded audience. You have these patrons who are inherently bought in on the Nick Scarpino experience or bought in on the kind of funny Greg Miller, all you guys experience with stand-up comedy. You're introducing your personality to a new group almost every single night. Like a lot of those people have no idea who you are and you have to basically convince them to like you early on instead of having that fan base. Is that been a struggle for you? Has it been kind of a fun challenge? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, I kind of, it's kind of cheating in a bit, uh, in a little way because I have, the kind of funny audience to come back to every day. And so no matter how hard I fail the night prior, there's always a group of people out there who appreciate what we're doing and, 
it softens the blow a little bit. So it, it, in, in a weird way, having that podcast audience, having those products like or those, those shows that we can go back to and have people who are watching it and supporting us gives me a little bit more courage to go up there and try something new. Um, and I feel like the past year of my life especially has been really about that sort of like finding those, those moments of you know, those challenging moments, those moments of fear in my life and saying, well, why don't, why not just go try that? Why not, why not try to smash that fear? Why not try to do something new and something crazy? And then what I found is when you do that, and even if you fail, especially if you fail, um, it does make you better and it does make you stronger. And so, uh, when I started hosting a little bit more on the morning show and started being a little bit more present in some of the podcasts, um, that all kind of works in together in, in itself. So like, so going, and basically if I, if I go out there, you know, on a Monday and I try to present myself and I do get a laugh and I, and I'm, you know, a little bit more cognizant of why that happened, I can take that back, what I've learned there back to the shows and be a better host. Was this something you wanted to do even before IGN, the, the comic thing? Not necessarily. I mean, it's something that I've always um, thought was cool, but never really thought was an option for me. Um, you know, I think that happens a lot to people where you go, that sounds cool, but that's never going to be me. And it's, it was only really until I realized that when we, when we left IGN and we formed kind of funny that that's just, that's a bullshit excuse. It's just some weird bullshit defense mechanism that you put up in your own brain, or at least that's what I did where I looked at that and said, that's really cool. That must be a cool life, but it's, you know, it's not for me or it's never going to be me or I just put excuses up or walls up for reasons why I couldn't do that. And then once I, once we broke away with kind of funny and we took that big risk and it sort of worked, it proved to me that there is no real barrier between you and the things you want to do except for yourself. You know, there's obviously different people have different circumstances and I'm not going to say that it's, it's, you know, harder or easier for me to do something that it is for you. I don't know your life, but at the same time, if there's something you want to do, um, there's a way to do it and you can find a way to do it. And, if you don't, you're just, you're really kind of letting yourself down. Um, and I kind of, I guess with kind of funny, like I, I'd worked at IGN for a really long time and I really liked the work that I was doing there, but it wasn't until I started getting in front of the camera and really getting that immediate response from people that I realized that I could take that farther. And then it, now it's just a matter of like, how far can I take it? Is getting a laugh in that environment that this new kind of stand up environment and actually like really killing it. Is that one of the most rewarding things you've experienced yet? Because I, I've, when I worked at GameSpot, I remember the first time I had a review go live and my editor loved it. I was like, this is incredible. This is an awesome feeling. And then different things. I'm like, oh, maybe I actually like doing podcasting more. You get this different sort of adrenaline rush from getting a feature on IGN like I did way back when. On the pantheon of things you do is getting that laugh and knowing that you you killed a set. Is that pretty high up there right now? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's the immediate feedback, right? There's nothing like live performance. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love doing podcasts. I love doing videos. I love everything that we get to do on a daily basis. It's kind of funny. But you don't necessarily get that immediate feedback unless you're live. And even then, it, there's still a barrier between you and the audience, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're, when you're doing stand-up, when you're on stage and someone really likes what you just said, you get that immediate feedback, right? And if they don't, you get that immediate feedback. So in a lot of ways, it's a lot more raw and it's a lot, it's, it's, it's say as just as rewarding as making like a really great video that people love. Um, and you see that in the comments, but it gives you, it is, there's a lot more at stake, right? I feel like the highs and the, and the lows are a lot deeper than they would be when you're making videos, especially if it's something that you're, you know, you know, you've recorded beforehand and you can go back and edit and tweak a little bit. Like there's a, when you're talking live in front of people, what comes out of your mouth is exactly what they hear. There's no going back. Um, and so it's a lot, 
yeah, there's a lot more, I think, anxiety built up into that for me than there is now being on camera. But that's part of the reason why I wanted to do it. Yeah, that that is a terrifying thing to me. It's something that I did theater for a while in school and did like sang for a while. And I remember that being the biggest difference between what I'm doing now with podcasting, where I'm like, if I say something like really shitty and stupid, I can just get rid of it. And no one will know except for you. And like, you're the only one who's really going to judge me. But when you are in that live environment, it's just everything feels so final. And I know that you're just experimenting with this now and getting started with it. But have you, have you bombed yet? Have you had one of those times where you walked away like, Oh God, that just didn't work. Or has it been mostly smooth so far? Oh, um, no, it's actually, uh, been mostly bombing. I think. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things that's, that's very fascinating. I started doing comedy and I started doing, uh, jujitsu right around the same time. And it's weird to see the parallels between those two things. I don't know if you're familiar at all with Brazilian jujitsu, but it's, yeah, what, it's a big UFC guy. So yeah, there you go. Okay. So you, so you know it, right? Uh, it's notoriously, uh, a, a very difficult thing to, to progress in and, and to succeed in. Um, and so, but it's funny cause I started doing that for a different, for, for different reasons. And, it's it's taught me a lot of life lessons about other things, um, namely that a lot of things worth doing that are really hard. You're just going to get destroyed at right off the bat. <laughs> you're just going to keep getting smashed over and over and over again. But if you keep going back, the bar sets a little higher every single time. And prior to doing either of those things and prior to doing kind of funny, I'd always just gravitated toward things that I was kind of naturally good at and passionate about. But it's things that they challenged me, but I, I knew I could kind of wrap my head around. Right. But doing kind of funny was such a big level change for me, like, and a big risk. And, and there was so much fear and anxiety involved that once I did that, I was like, okay, maybe that'll give me the courage to go back to jujitsu and kind of try to tackle that again. And once I did that, and once I was able to see sort of some of the progress there of just kind of going and getting hammered every freaking week for like a year straight, then I'm like, well, how bad could it be to get up on stage and bomb? And boy, was I wrong. It's really bad. It, 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 it really, I mean, it's really, I don't know if you've, it, I mean, there's nothing quite as heartbreaking and humiliating as when you say something that you think was just the funniest thing that you've ever thought of before in your life. And maybe you didn't deliver it right, or maybe it wasn't the right crowd, but it just, you can hear the air conditioning unit. It is demoralizing and, yeah. and sad. But the next time you do that joke again and you've tweaked it and it does get a laugh, it's it's really gratifying and you've learned something and you've progressed. And I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, I couldn't imagine that. Like, again, I when I would sing in front of people and you practice it and you thought you did well and you could tell by the response, people are like, nope. Like, that was very much like, a, oh, God, like, what did, what did I do wrong? So I think it'd be similar with comedy, but it's just so exposing and like yeah, yeah. jujitsu seems similar in that way too and it maybe is i think it's a really great piece of advice to i think the older you get instead of just gravitating toward things where you either think you're going to be good at or know you're naturally good at you start looking at the things that you know are difficult for you and just difficult in general because with jujitsu people are just the people who have five eight ten years in it are just so far ahead of you and there's it's like such incremental change every time you go oh, there's, yeah, they're you're still forgetting yeah you're forgetting all the positions you you like so, what, one day be like oh maybe i understand the arm bar then you just get completely thrown around by someone who might be like 30 pounds lighter than you but they just know what they're doing more it's it's demoralizing but also i think you can kind of flip that and make that an encouragement and be like okay i can get here if i just put the time in yeah, for me, it's it's kind of about two different things, right? And this is, I mean, this has just been my last year of my life. Maybe it'll change next year. I don't know. But for me, it's been a lot about uh, just trying to deal with and conquer fear. 
And I don't think it's something you ever really conquer because obviously, you know, the second you are comfortable with one thing, you tend to, I tend to put myself in a, a much worse situation and then I got to deal with that. Um, I started doing jujitsu a while back because I was claustrophobic and it was one of those things where I was kind of terrified to do it because I'd get put in bad situations and panic. And I still deal with that pretty much every class, but it's gotten a lot better. Um, but one of the things that I learned from that process was I was like, okay, well, uh, if I can mitigate this fear or if I can, um, if I can expose myself to it and, and, and just kind of deal with it, then it does really do, it really does set that bar higher. Right. And I think that, I think that a lot of the reason why people don't do things, or at least a lot of the reasons why I didn't do things or take risks was just building up those walls around it because of that fear, right. Of just having coming up with tons of excuses. Um, and it's a really hard thing for people to, to step outside of themselves and go, dude, you're, you're, full of shit. Like you're, you're just convincing yourself that you don't want to do this thing because you're scared of it. Not because it's expensive, not because it takes time. Um, just because you don't want to fail at this thing. But what happens is, especially with comedy, you have to fail a lot. You have to actually just get used to failing and then you just get over it. It's yeah. just going to happen there. I don't know. I, I, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I follow a lot of comics, um, online and all of them. Yeah. Everyone bombs. Everyone bombs. So knowing that, knowing that you're going to bomb kind of makes it a little like easier, right? It's just going to be a thing. Like when you go into a jiu-jitsu class, you're going to get tapped. It's going to happen mm-hmm. there. I mean, unless you're, unless you're the, like a black belt or a brown belt, like someone somewhere is going to whoop your ass at some point. They're going to hand it to you. Um, so you can either go, well, that was great. And I don't want to do that ever again. Or you can go, okay, why did that happen? Right. And you push forward. And in doing that, there is, you get a really meaningful experience and you get hopefully progress. And I think it's certain aspects of life. You kind of need to go into things being like, I'm not going to fail. I'm going to win this. I got this shit. But like you said, in other aspects, you've got to have that inherent failing as part of the process here. Failing is what's going to get me to the point where I'm actually, even if I'm not great at it, I'm at least at an okay point with some of this stuff. And yeah, I think comedy and jujitsu are right up there in terms of like, I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm going to go through some, really like awful shit that might make me question if i want to keep doing this but that's absolutely a part of the process and speaking of speaking of fear and kind of taking leaps of faith like i want to talk a little bit about your move from ign to kind of funny i mean you guys have talked about you know quitting your jobs jumping to patreon all the risks behind it that's kind of been covered but at the same time when you look back at ign which you mentioned you know you love doing and you know that's it's a fantastic site did you feel to a certain extent that you would kind of peaked in that role was there a sense of I've hit my ceiling here, which is not a bad thing. You can stay there and still do a lot of great work at IGN and it, it's, a, it's a great gig. But did you kind of have a, I'm eager to do something new and maybe hit a different level? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, I mean, I had been at IGN for almost 10 years okay. at that point. Yeah, it was a while. And so I, I had that feeling of, okay, what's next? Um, and I was looking around a little bit and talking to people and trying to, really trying to figure out what I wanted to do next because I knew I wanted to keep creating and I wanted to keep making things, but I didn't necessarily, I've never been the biggest gamer. And so staying within the games industry, which is where a lot of my contacts are, um, kind of felt like I would be doing a disservice to myself and to whatever company that I would go to because, you know, and I started feeling that way a little bit at IGM where I was like, you know, there's a lot of guys here that are really fired up that, you know, deserve to move up the ladder. And maybe I'm, taking their spot, you know, and I, and you know, not to say that I didn't contribute cause I definitely did. Um, and we definitely made some amazing things in the years that I was there, but I think there's just a point where everyone gets where you've done a job for a very long time. You go, okay, what's, what am I going to do next? And you have to 
um, when you get to that point, you really have to figure it out because I've seen a lot of people who get to that point and go, oh, I'll deal with it tomorrow. And then they get complacent and then they get depressed, you know, cause I think that, I think that a lot of people, myself included, that if you don't feel like you're moving forward, maybe you can't pinpoint or maybe you don't necessarily recognize it, but if you're not challenging yourself and moving forward and progressing through those levels, it, it can be very negative on your psyche. It can be very, can have a, a very negative effect on you. Um, I think that, 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 uh, you know, leaving IGN and, and forming kind of funny was meant that it meant a couple things for me. One complacency is out the window. There's no, there's no resting on my laurels. There's no going, I'll deal with that tomorrow because there's no one else to deal with it. If there's a problem, I got three other people in the office that can potentially do it, but I mean, it's my business. I got I got to get off my ass and go solve it. And so I kind of, I, I used to joke about, um, I used to joke about what it felt like when we left where I was, I kind of felt like I was in this nice, like, like blanket of comfort at IGN where I'm like, I feel pretty secure about this job. And then when I left and we formed kind of funny, I felt, I joked about it being like, I was like a vampire where like when you were a vampire for the first time, you start seeing everything like, <laughs> like heightened, like everything yeah. was heightened. Like I was more, way more terrified of everything, but also all of the success was just shared with a smaller group of people. And so it felt like way cooler to do great stuff. Like when we make a video, people are like, this is awesome. You know, or when we launched the, the Patreon, the second Patreon and it did well, I was like, holy crap, this is the highs are so much higher now. And the lows are so much lower and it's way more terrifying and way more enthralling, way more exhilarating now. Um, yeah. And for a lot of people, if, you know, if anyone's out there listening and they're thinking about doing their own thing, you know, I definitely recommend, I definitely re- recommend trying to making that happen for yourself because it's, it's, it's a truly unique experience, but it is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. And it's, it reminds me a little bit of, there was this kind of trend and still is a trend of AAA developers moving on to indie, not because they, you know, hate working in like giant businesses. It's just the rewards you get from when you're in this smaller five, six, seven person team compared to hundreds of people making something. The, the highs are higher, the lows are lower and your voice comes through stronger. You're able to be like, all right, this is our like four person group putting these ideas together instead of it being vetted through all these different systems, through all these different filters. Then suddenly it's almost like a game of telephone. I would assume it's something like an IGN, which again, I'm not putting them down at all, but there's a lot more input from a whole bunch of different people in the group, which can be good. But when you have these certain ideas, like you guys do it kind of funny. You can kind of just enact it, see how it works. And if it works, that's great. So like that was these four of you guys is doing it together, but you know. If, have you had any so far misses at kind of funny that were tough for you because this stuff is so close to you because this stuff is so kind of unfiltered you guys? Yeah. I mean, we, um, a couple, a couple years ago, I think at this point, uh, did a big crowdfunding initiative for an animated show that I wanted to write and, and produce. And that was, that was an interesting lesson for me because I think, I mean, I think the show turned out great, but the original plan for it was to roll it out every month. And I had never done something that was animated before. And I was kind of used to having more of a support team of, you know, when you come, when you work at a place like IGN, there's hundreds of employees there and you can always reach out to really talented people. If you need help with things, people who can help you, you know, connect with other people, the engineering teams, you know, there's, there's, I mean, they have everything that you could possibly need to create online content. Um, when it came to the animated show, I, I kind of had it hit a stark reality where I was like, Oh wow, this is, it's just me. There's no, I don't have an editor that can help me put the audio track together every week and, and marry the visuals and audio together and really tweak that and have someone to lean on. I have to do this. 
And of course, you know, I have Tim and Greg and Kevin and everyone else there now who can give me feedback. But at the same time, I was used to having a 30 man team that I could help that I could just kind of, Hey, here's a creative idea. Take this, lend your awesome talents to it and go. And then, uh, I realized very early on that, wow, we'd bitten off a lot more than we could chew. So we ended up having to, uh, not having to, but ended up wanting to do a few extra episodes for, for the audience that had helped fund it just as a thank you. And thanks for your patience and sorry, this has been a lesson learned for us. Um, and so I think that's, that's kind of the trade off, right? You have the, you're trading that all those resources for the ability to be a little bit more nimble and flexible. But with that comes a big responsibility for the audience you have to deliver. And if you compare your expectations for kind of funny when it started versus where you are today, was there anything else that maybe you could have just never guessed would be either more difficult or easier than what you initially expected? Like how different has this journey so far? I think it's two plus years at this point been than, you know, compared to your initial vision. I think, well, I don't think any of us knew what we were going to really be. Um, I originally wanted to leave IGN. Um, I was looking around to leave because I had felt like, you know, I really did feel like I was, it was time for me to move on. And so my original understanding of what I was going to do was we were going to try as as hard as possible to make kind of funny a thing, but I was going to have to subsidize that with outside freelance work or, you know, freelance producing just corporate videos, things, commercials, things like that. Um, and so my expectation when we left was, okay, I'll spend like two days on kind of funny until that takes a little bit. And so that starts to ramp up and then we'll transition over to that. And, uh, January 5th came around and we announced that we were leaving and it was just, okay, very, became very, very clear right off the bat that this is going to be a full-time thing. And Greg even talks about it too, or Greg used to do, you can go back and find video, Greg, um, talking about like, Maybe it was on video. Maybe we never actually recorded that. But he used to talk and joke around and be like, you know, I'm just going to wake up every day, read a comic book, get a cup of coffee. We'll go do a podcast and that'll be my day. Um, <laughs> but if you have, you know, Greg, you know that Greg, I think that was interesting pie in the sky thinking, but Greg is in the office every day before every single person and is always the last person out and fills every single second of every day with something. And so I think that work ethic really is sort of the inspiration for why all of us want to try really, really hard too. Um, it's just that once you start, once it become, once it became a thing and clear that it was going to be a thing, it was like, Oh, we have something. Let's see how far we can take it. Let's see how big we can grow this community. Let's see if we can make a little corner of the internet that's positive and ours. Can that be personally dangerous for you as when you're starting a company like this? And once you get it off the ground and once you know it's starting to be successful to, not be obsessive about it, but you kind of establish your own working parameters. You decide how much time you want to put into it. And of course, you do have all these other things going on in your life. You have a personal life, but can it be difficult to balance that personal life when you know like, man, if I just put two more hours into this, we can have something even cooler for next week. Can that be tough? Yeah, I'm probably the wrong person to ask about that because I do. <laughs> I, well, because I think I, I'm, I'm in a good, I'm in a very fortunate spot where everything I do in my life is something that I want to do, which I think to me was always sort of the definition of success and happiness, which is that I don't have to do, there are very few things in my life that I feel like I have to do, you know, like I had to get my oil changed today. Didn't want to do that, but had to do that. Right. Um, for the most part, I don't have to go to open mics. I don't have to do jujitsu. I don't have to, uh, work out or, or challenge my friends to a Jackman off or, or any of these that, sorry, I should back up, challenge my friends to a workout <laughs> co- uh, challenge. You know, I don't have to do these things. I get to do these things because 
my life has worked out that way, which is cool. And so I more often than not, don't even look at half the things I do as work. I, I just look at them as all sort of like playing into each other and building off each other and making each other great. Um, you know, I'm also fortunate enough to be married to an amazing person who, when she recognizes that I'm burning it out to, you know, burning the midnight oil too much, she'll, we'll talk about that and we'll make sure we reprioritize a little bit. But for the most part, um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard because it's, it's, it doesn't really resonate as work. It's more just fun. And I'm like, can I have more fun today? Okay, cool. Let's do that. God, that sounds great. Uh, not to focus too much on like the pressures of this stuff. Cause like I just mentioned, you're loving what you're doing right now, but do you kind of look at what you're doing right now? Do you think there's a good equation, a good explanation for how you guys have maintained this level of success? Because it's, it's helpful having that IGN platform previously making names for yourself to a certain extent and creating this fan base. But you really do have to find ways to innovate in order to keep people like, you know, paying every single month to have access early to the content. Like they could, if they didn't pay, they could still view your stuff, but you're creating these like super fans who want to pay, who want to support you. How do you think just, you know, from a distance or I guess involved with it, how do you keep things fresh? How do you satisfy what's really this diverse audience and make sure that you're doing stuff to surprise them from month to month? We have a lot of very candid meetings where we're super honest with each other <laughs> and we're like, we should be doing this or we should be doing that. And honestly, more often than not, the people who are supporting our content are the ones that, that come up with the best ideas. And so it's kind of, it's almost like, I don't want to say it's cheating, but when people in the chat on Twitch are like, Hey, you guys should really put this out as a podcast. We listen to it. We go, okay, that's, Let's try that, right? Um, so half of it is listening to the people that we're hopefully serving. And the other half is following our passions and just doing things we want to do. Like part of doing Nick at night or doing a vlog series at night was just because I was like, you know, Tim brought it up. He was like, you know, you're doing all these weird, cool, fucking weird things at night. <laughs> why don't you just like, why don't you show people that and see if that resonates with people? And I'm like, I'm always the person that goes like, who the hell would be interested in watching me bomb every night on a stage with in front of five people. Um, but you can't think that way. You kind of have to just be like, well, someone will probably be interested in it. And if not, whatever, you know, but I think making, making content that you really love and then having the audience find that is kind of the only way to do it. Right. Cause you could try to make stuff that you don't love that, you know, will be easily marketable to the audience, but then you're just in a living hell. Right. Like you're just kind of constantly doing it. Then it's work. Then you're always yeah. doing stuff that you don't want to be doing. And so I think it's just a, a little bit of a, like half of it's listening to what people who support us want and, and trying to give them what they want, but also having that Venn diagram of, well, it also has to be something that we want to do and we're passionate about and like genuinely passionate about, not like bullshit passionate about. Yeah. Um, cause there's a difference between that. Uh, yeah, it's just those two, I think. And also just having those kind of conversations and being like, I think one of the things that Tim and Greg are really good at, um, that I'm maybe not so good at is I like, I don't like change. I like structure. I like when we have a system in place for everything and they're always the guys to go, why are we doing it that way? Why don't we do it this way? Yeah. And if I don't have a good reason, if I don't have at least three good reasons why we shouldn't change something, we just change it. It's like, why not? Right. That's the, that's one of the, the, the benefits of not having an overarching company that we work with or having someone who, you know, having bosses or having owners outside of us is that it really is just everyone that everyone in the office right now just gets to, like, gets a say in what we do because ultimately they're the ones in charge of doing it. You know, like Andy produces party mode. And so he goes, I want to play this game. And he wants to play that game because he thinks it's going to be funny and he's the producer. And so that's what we end up doing. 
yeah, changing things that have kind of worked up to this point, like on the same way as you, I, I like things structured. I like to know what I'm doing during a given week, how I'm doing it. And even if there are sometimes better ways to do it, you're like, yeah, but I don't want to learn that. I don't want to have like the, the pressure of maybe that not working out. So I totally get that. And you mentioned before talking about Nick at night where you say like, you know, who would want to, who would want to watch this? And it's funny, like, you know, Greg Miller has over a million Twitter followers. Like you have this Twitter following. Tim, like your entire group, people really care. And that's shown also through the Patreon support. You look at something like I've had just about everyone from Giant Bomb on here. And the number of downloads those get when I'm just talking to them candidly about their lives, about Giant Bomb, it's it's really cool to see how many people care about the personalities at these personality-based sites or channels or anything like that. Is Did that take a while to get used to where you are just posting yourself doing jujitsu at night and people really care because they've invested in this group? Is that internet celebrity is one of the weirdest possible terms but like, <laughs> is it kind of weird to have that to a certain extent yeah definitely i mean it, it's weird because I, for me it went through it was it was a progression of okay i i have this responsibility now there are people that are actually listening to me so i should be this person right but then i didn't really know who that person was and i only know how to be myself so i'm like are is it weird so like I, I don't know I think I think your first my first inclination was to be like okay let me develop this person and be this awesome guy that everyone's gonna like uh, you know I think that your natural inclination is to be like well I don't want to show people that I'm lifting weights I want to show people that I'm buff right or I, I don't want to show you know what I mean like I I don't yeah, want to show people show that I'm the going result and yeah character rather because I think that's what we're normally used to right you're normally used to seeing these magazine covers with these fucking Greek gods on them right like yeah. The Rock or Mark Wahlberg I don't put those guys in the same category but you know what I mean like these guys that are like perfect human beings and that's cool and then it makes you feel really bad that you're not that perfect human being right but then i think the then i started thinking about the people that i follow and the people that i really admire aren't the perfect human beings they're the ones who just are trying to figure it out and i think that's kind of where i've backed into is saying like well i'm never going to be i'm never going to look like chris chris hemsworth right like i'm never going to be that made up well, I mean, never say never, but I'm, I'm never like there is a Hollywood product. There is the nightly news anchor. There are those people who are highly produced. I don't vibe with that. I don't want to be that. I gravitate toward people who really share the process and who and who really get a lot out of sharing that process. And and really, and I know it sounds cheesy as all hell, but are all about the journey, not the destination, um, because I feel like you have to be happy doing the things you're doing, right? You can't always be result oriented or else you're going to drive yourself nuts when you don't get the right results. Um, and so I think that was a big, to an- sorry, long, long answer to your short question. Um, I think that was a big lesson learned for me is that I'm like, well, I don't need to develop a character. I can just be myself and people will either like that or not. And that's just the way it has to go. And I think that that's the reason why a lot of people, you know, I think that's the main reason between online creators and more traditional media creators is that people are, I think, craving that connection with other people. And we're getting that. We're, we're more connected than we've ever been uh, in the history of humanity, but we're also very disconnected because we're connected through these devices. Right. And like, I, I'll be honest, I get, I got to look at people who are these huge celebrities and I get jealous of their lifestyles. And I'm like, and, and I noticed that I'm like, that doesn't inspire me to look at these people who are making millions of dollars and are all these like kind of made up human beings. That doesn't really like make me happy. What makes me happy is look at other people who 
share the experiences of what it took to get a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and how, you know, like I look up to, I, I, I'm a religious follower of Joe Rogan, right? I love listening to him talk about how fucking hard it was to do the things that he did because it makes me feel that, you know, it just makes life a little bit easier for me to know that there's other people out there who struggle with things. Um, and that's real. That's a real thing, right? It's not real to look at Chris Hemsworth this door and be like, well, fuck. All right. You know, it's, it's real to see like, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why I like The Rock, right? Because he shows every day that he's in the gym. Every fucking day he's there. He's on Instagram. And I'm like, that's, that's real. That's, that's, that's where you should be deriving pleasure from is the work, is putting the work in, not getting the result, if that makes sense. It d- totally does. And I had a feeling, Joe Rogan, like that podcast was something that you would listen to because you mentioned before, kind of right now, you're in this place in life where everything you do is stuff you love or that's something he always talks about to get to a spot where you're like, oh, I'm not. I want to do this thing. I want to wake up early and do this, or I enjoy going to the gym. You kind of weed out the things you don't want to do and find a way to be happy and, you know, profitable and everything like that, doing shit you really love. And it's, it's funny with, you know, with what you do with kind of funny, you can't really be that made up, like, you know, not real person because you guys are streaming around friends the entire time. So your personalities come out. You're, you have to be yourself in these situations, I would assume, where, you're not the six o'clock news. You're not like, oh, yeah. oh, you have this certain script. It's like, no, this kind of just happens. Well, we're also recording for conservatively three to four hours a day of yeah. stuff. At some point, I'm going to say some real shit. <laughs> it's just what's yeah. going to happen. Like, I can't be, I can't monitor everything that comes out of my mouth for three hours. After about 30 minutes, I'm like, you know what? No, let's just, let's talk about buttholes. Um, <laughs> no, but with Joe, I think that was when I, when we first got into podcasting back in the day, when we decided to do the game of Reggie show, I was like, I don't listen to podcasts. I should probably listen to podcasts because I'm a firm believer of like, you should be a fan first and then go out and make the thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And so Joe Rogan's podcast was the biggest thing. And I had never really, I mean, I remember Joe from like uh, news radio and I had watched, I watch UFC. So I obviously, you know, like his commentary and stuff, but I never really, thought that I'd have this big of a connection to a, to a creator. Um, and so that, that I think was very inspiring for me. Cause I'm like, Oh, I, here's a perfect example of someone doing it right. He doesn't take work that he doesn't want to take. Right. He didn't change his podcast the way people told him to change his podcast to make it quote unquote more marketable. He did the thing he wanted to do and just kept doing it and it worked. Right. And he was just himself. And that's, what people really connect to. So I look at that and I'm like, Oh, I don't have to, I don't have to make believe shit. I can just go out there and honestly be like, dude, I'm really nervous to go up tonight. Cause I haven't been up on stage in a while and I know I'm going to eat dog shit. Yeah. And people go, I know what that's like. Cool. <laughs> you know, like I think that, I mean, it's, it's, it's quasi entertainment, but it's also just like, it's connecting. That's what it really is. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I don't want to dig too deep into the call and departure that happened not that long ago because you guys have talked about it but i think what it did reveal kind of relate to this to a certain extent is how difficult it is to remove yourself to remove politics to remove sensitive divisive topics from this sort of personality driven coverage that you guys are doing it's hard to just you know leave all that stuff out because people care about you and yourself comes out like we just mentioned and Mm -hmm. for you can it be difficult at times to not go on maybe rants or let some stuff kind of come out because of what's happening in the world right now that maybe part of your audience would not want you to talk about it. Everyone talks about with like game reviews, like, Oh, leave politics out of it. Leave these certain things out of it because you're putting yourself out there and so much stuff and stuff happens every single day. That's difficult to avoid. Does some of that stuff just slip out? 
No, I mean, I, I think it's definitely important to have an opinion. Um, and that's one of the things I really admire about Colin is that he, he always has a very, a very Colin opinion about things. And that's why he resonates with people. Um, I, you know, for me, I have opinions on things and I don't ever feel like I shouldn't share those, uh, with the audience. And I don't feel like I shouldn't share them just because they might be divisive or they might be polarizing. Um, but, but, you know, just on a personal note, like for the, I, I try to see both sides of things. Um, and I feel like, you know, you all, everyone always has a stance on something, but I think, I think in the com, I think the power of the conversation is when you have, you know, if there are two sides to a conversation, you have to have those. Um, and so I think that's where we kind of try to jump off of, or at least that's where I try to jump off of personally. Um, I know that, you know, in the last week or two, we did, uh, I don't, we've done so many podcasts to backload them. I don't know where we're at with this, but I'm, I think, Two weeks ago, we did a, um, a topic about the sexual harassment uh, claims against Harvey Weinstein. Oh, yeah. And I think that's an important thing to talk about. And I think it's an important thing for our audience to hear, too, because I know there's a, young, a lot of young guys um, listening to me or listening to us who need to understand this situation or need to make heads or tails of it. And we owe it to them to at least have a perspective on that. Um, and we owe it to a lot of the, you know, we owe it candidly, we owe it to our female audience too, to be like, look, you should not put up with shit like that. Yeah. Like this, there, there is a time and a place for a stance. Um, but I also want to create a place where people can go to just find positivity. And so it becomes, it becomes kind of a nuanced discussion because you have to be able to tackle, um, topics, but you have to be able to t- tackle hard topics from a positive perspective. And that, that's where I like to be. You know, I always tell a story about like, I always give great shit because he originally wanted, he wanted to call, um, the people who follow our content scumbags. He thought that was a hilarious term. And I was like, it is funny, but when you're, when you're asking, when, when you're saying you want to call someone that, and you're asking them to identify with that, you're inherently asking them to identify with a negative thing. I don't want to live in a negative world. I want to live in a positive world where we are talking about things. And we are having great discussions, positive discussions about things and learning uh, from each other and learning stuff about ourselves. And that's, that's the person that I want to be. And those are the people I want to keep around me. And those, that's the culture I want to foster. And I think Greg and Tim and Joey and Andy and everyone around me is kind of on the same page about that. Um, and I think, so, you know, yeah, I think, it, I think you owe it to the audience to have, to, to do those harder topics. Um, and they could be tricky, but we still have to do them. Yeah. And it's really goddamn hard to foster some sort of actual positive group and environment like that on the internet especially these days so i totally understand that sometimes that you just need that you just need to it, there, there are days where you you sift through twitter and you go through the bullshit and you go through all the terrible stuff and you're like man everything's bad but then you also need those times where it's like i need this community to just be happy and just to well, discuss this stuff in a positive way the thing about the thing about it is you know twitter all of these all of these online uh communities are things that we curate for ourselves, right? Like we have the tools now to go, I don't, I want to follow just who I want to follow. Right. Um, and that's a big responsibility that I think a lot of people don't really realize is that, you know, you have to sort of understand what these tools are and how they should be properly utilized. If you want to have a discussion with someone, Twitter is the absolute wrong place to have a real discussion with them. It is. It's just not the right place, right? Comment sections, not the right place. Twitch chat, getting better. Right. Um, you know, but, but there's, it's just, it's very weird because people, I think it's, it's as much as Twitter and, and Facebook and all these things are connecting us. I think they're also disconnecting us because they're just saying like, what, like, look at what it's training you to do. It's training you to get pissed, leave a horrible comment, ruin someone's day and go about your day. That's not, that's not, 
constructive. That's, that's lame, right? And it's one of the reasons I really, really like podcasting is that I can go and I can come in with a perspective and there's three other people across the table that may share that perspective or might not. And I might leave with a totally different perspective. I know one of the topics that we were wanting to do, but the timing just didn't work out because we were traveling too much was all the NFL stuff that's happening um, with, with, with Colin Kaepernick and that stuff. And that's things that I have a lot of friends that follow that, that have totally different perspectives than I do. And I'm like, ah, I need, I need to hear these people's perspectives because I, A, they're my friends in real life and I can learn something from them and B, they're, they're, they come from a different background. And so I think it's important to share these ideas. But the last thing I want to do is tweet 140 characters at one of my friends and be like, Let's have a discussion here. It's not going to happen. That's just that's just dumb. Yeah, and Twitter also kind of the way it works is you're encouraged to only really follow and communicate positively with the people who you agree with and you really just yell at the people you disagree with and very yeah. often that's re- that's rewarded with retweets and likes. So then you're like, yeah. "Oh, then what I'm doing is correct." And you can get so I I've seen a lot of people, I've, you know, just worked alongside a lot of people who get so obsessed with it where that is their everything. Like that is their motivation in the morning that is their like all of their uh positivity throughout the day is just like how many are t- you know, retweets and likes can i get and like you said even if we are more connected that is a disconnecting way to live like and i freaks me out sometimes to see that people can get into that and i think it's important i think it's important for people who like you know i mean you know, do you if, you, do, if to each his, his or her own right but if that is where you draw if that is where you derive validation and fulfillment from um, you have to ask yourself, like, why, yeah. <laughs> like, why, like there's a lot of people. And I think, you know, I think most of the time it's, it's, it comes with youth. I hate to say that. I don't want to like put it on millennials or, or Gen Zers, but you know, that when I was younger, actually, I don't like that. I don't like to generalize either. So I'll just bring this back to myself. You know, when I was younger, I was just candidly, um, you know, I was an asshole. <laughs> like you're, you're, you kind of just go like, I don't know where my place is in the world yet. So I'm going to, I'm going to just fire in all directions and see what happens. Um, but I got to a certain point where I'm like, you know, there is a difference between creating real stuff and just going out there and filling your time with, with meaningless shit. Um, and you really have to figure that out for yourself. I can't answer that question for you, but if your whole goal is to get 50 retweets on something and you're not worried about what that something is, I think you're doing it wrong. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you. Uh, last couple things, and I promise I'll let you go. I appreciate the time. Um, no, this has been great. This has been great. We talked a lot earlier about how a, a lot of what you do is trying to, you know, you, you feel uncomfortable to it kind of improve yourself, to do things that you want to do that might be difficult. Uh, but I mean, right now, even with the stuff you do every single day, does any of the on-camera, on-stage stuff really still freak you out? Because it, It's funny. I remember the first time I really, I, I knew about you from IGN and from Kind of Funny, um, I saw you posted a a morning hair routine video um, <laughs> a while back, and we have very similar hair, um, and I'm guessing we have very similar initial insecurities about it. Oh, yeah. I remember you putting that video out there, and like the first thing I thought, because at that point I was super uncomfortable with myself in that way, and seeing that and be like, man, you're just like, you're putting this shit out there, huh? And like, it really, honestly, it helped me. I remember seeing that and thinking like, man, you're doing what I wish I could do, which is just being like upfront about it not steering away from it and being like this is who i am like this is where i'm at this is like even if it bugs you you're out there with it there's a confident mental space is that the case for you or are you (laughs) are you kind of constantly terrified with all the stuff you're doing be on camera all the time and being so open um being on camera doesn't bother me anymore or that doesn't that doesn't cause me any anxiety anymore um but yeah i mean being candid and open about 
things that, that are my insecurities. Yeah. That's always, that's, that's, that's always rough. Um, but again, bringing it back to life lessons learned, like one of the things that I had to do when I first came back to jujitsu was tell my training partners that I had a problem. Right. And I used to have this ridiculous anxiety about it, but I would like, it would be, it would be like almost impossible for me to walk onto the mat in class because I was like, I don't want to go admit that I'm, I have this problem that I have this issue, right. That I have this weakness that all these people on this mat, I'm assuming don't have. Right. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I started telling people that, that I would learn that like Brown and black belts had the same issue back in the day. Right. But if I hadn't opened up about it, if I hadn't said, Hey, by the way, I have a, I just, I get a little bit crazy and claustrophobic in bad positions. I might go into panic mode. I might tap. Oh, don't worry about it. Like I'll come right back that I, that I really like once I put myself out there and I put faith in my training partners, I got nothing but awesome stuff in return of people going, Oh yeah, don't worry about it, man. Like I had a problem. You know, I had one, a brown belt once tell me, he was like, Oh, I used to freak out when people grabbed my legs. I don't know why I just would like freak out and like start to hyperventilate. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's exactly what I'm dealing with. Right. And even one of my instructors the other day, I was talking to him. I was like, yeah, you know, sometimes I get a little claustrophobic. And he was like, Oh yeah, that happens to me too sometimes. And I'm like, Whoa, I didn't, that's cool. Like, I guess that everyone feels so much better about it. Like, cause I definitely does, had it in my right? life where you think, I mean, maybe it's because everyone wants to think they're their own unique thing, but like this random fear that like really will kill me. Like someone will be like, Oh no, I have that too. And you're like, Oh my God, I'm not insane. Well, yeah, because we're, we're not incentivized to share that stuff, right? No. We're like, and you know, and I hate these terms, but like, you know, growing up as a guy, you're called a pussy. Yep. If you have, if you have a problem, oh, dude, don't be a pussy. Just do this thing, right? Well, no, man, that's not, you know, like, okay, well, guess what I'm going to do? I'm just not going to tell you that I have this problem now because I don't want to be shamed or I don't want to be like mortified in front of my friends and like, yeah. and drawn out as this thing. It's not until you really start going, well, okay, fuck you. Like, you're, you're not a real friend if you call me that A and B everyone has issues that they, they want to work on or that they have a problem with that, you know, when you start sharing those and you start talking to people about that, there's a real power in that. Like that's real. What, what you see on the cover of magazines is not real, right? You don't see the, all the work that went into that and, 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 and all the problems that those people had and, and potentially all the hurdles they had to overcome with that. Um, and so, you know, it was a big lesson learned of like, oh, if I just am honest with myself and people around me, I will, it's counterintuitive the way we grow up and what our culture tries to teach us, but I will get way more out of this experience than if I just try to toughen through it oh, yeah. and try to, and not be a pussy, you know, not be a wuss. And I, you know, I hate that term, but that's, that's how a lot of guys think. And I just think it's absolutely ass backward. You're hundred percent right. And the confidence you get from just like letting that shit out, it might be really difficult early on. And like you said, when you, when you grow up, either friends are disincentivizing you from opening up or maybe you have that dad who's like, don't cry. Like you're not crying through right. this. You're just going to make it through. But once you do and you relate to those people, they're like, oh shit, I am just way less nervous about this. I'm not constantly thinking about this thing that no one else notices, but like really, really affects me. Like that's one of yeah. like, again, like I, when I saw that video you put up there, when I've seen other people talk about it, you get to that point where like, oh, like I can overcome this stuff and get way more confident if I just like cop to it and be like, no, this is a thing. Let's talk yeah. about it. Like, let's, and this is you, something I'm dealing you, with. Yeah. You, you're always going to find that person who maybe it's not the same thing, but they'll relate to you and be like, Oh, here's the thing that really every day bugs me. And then you could both oh, yeah. talk about it. And you're both going to feel like this massive weight is off your shoulders. Like you almost feel like a new person after you let that out. And then you, yeah, that's when I wish that we could, you know, as a culture kind of encourage, like, let that shit out, like talk about it, like get the, yeah, like destigmatize the it, you know, exactly. And, and that, and that, and these, and, and I think, I think the problem is, um, 
you know, we just don't, there aren't a lot of tools available for people to help work through that stuff. Right. Like yeah. you know, I talk about, I've had, you know, I've talked about the going through therapy and dealing with a lot of the claustrophobia and anxiety issues that I've had. And I'm fortunate enough to be in a, in a spot where, you know, I do have health insurance and I have found someone that can, that can, you know, that can work with me on that stuff. Um, but it's difficult and it's really, it's not something that's easily available to people. Um, and that's unfortunate, but I think the more and more people talk about it and the more and more it becomes destigmatized, the more, you know, there will be a supply out there for people to, to tap into. Um, and I just think it's, it's one of those things where like, I was, I was bullet down to this, you know, like life is not easy, right? It's kind of a series of semi-traumatizing events <laughs> after really good events. And like, you know, it's, it's difficult to navigate your way through, through a lot of things that happen to people on a daily basis. Um, you know, when you're, when you're want to, if you want to change your body, there's a lot of resources out there that you can do it, but there aren't a lot of resources out there if you want to work on your brain. And I just think it's stupid for people to, to stigmatize that. Right. Especially like in, 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 as as a guy, um, you're just totally de-incentivized to go out there and work on your mental state, which is stupid. But that's one of the reasons why I love fighting is a lot of fighters now have mental coaches, Mm. right. Which is a really cool, tough, non-pussy way of saying they have therapists, Right, <laughs> like, that is. Yeah, think about that. Right, they're terrified to go out there, which they should be. You, these people Fuck yeah. run them through the different situations of like, hey, this could happen or this could happen, and like you know, there's people back there puking their guts out before they walk out, but they need to hide that because they're like, well, I, I'm a muscly dude who punches people. I can't show. Right, this. and to be fair, in their in their specific line of work, it does behoove you to show to not show weakness, right? Because you don't want to give your opponent any more confidence. But yeah, fucking a, they have anxiety. I would. You're training to. <laughs> you're literally training to kill someone that's training to kill you back. Um, and so, but I think there's a lesson learned from that, right? That's an extreme set of circumstances. That's life at its most extreme, which is that you have to do something every day to train. And if you don't do it right, someone might really hurt you. And so, yeah, use every tool at your disposal, not the least of which is having someone in your life that can help you through the anxiety of all that. Um, and so we see that and we see that in fighting and you go, okay, that kind of makes sense. Why doesn't that make sense? If you're not a fighter, why doesn't that make sense? If you just want to accomplish some goals and overcome, you know, maybe you're, maybe you can't sleep at night because you're worried about what's happening the next day, or maybe you've got family issues, or maybe you've got a, an addiction problem or something like that. And you're not allowed to go out and find someone that can help you with that. That's bullshit. Absolutely. You should absolutely be able to find someone and absolutely make yourself better if that's what you want to do or help yourself out. It's, it's, and it seems so obvious, but it's not like maybe you're that person who's terrified to go out with friends on a weekend because you just, I don't know, like you have that anxiety around them, like, oh, I'm afraid to meet new people. Maybe one of those people who's terrified to get in a car and drive through traffic. And like, that's the kind of stuff that we shouldn't tell people like, oh, get over it. But that's what it's been for so long. And like the fact that um, I remember like even going up to my HR lady, because I'm like you, I'm fortunate enough to have that sort of health insurance where that gets us, that stuff covered. But I wasn't sure initially. And as I was going up to talk to her, I was like, the fact that I'm nervous just to ask this question about like, right. does it cover this? It really shows that like, we don't, we don't encourage people to do this. Like that should no. be like number one above everything. Like I, I've personally never gone to therapy. I've almost gone like 17 times, but every time I'm like, <laughs> hey, this should be a thing that like everyone should do. Cause the problem is you're going to get that certain stigma attached to you if you do it. But like that, the fact that that's still, you are, ridiculous. you know, you are just the same stigma you're going to get attached. If you take Propecia, like I do right now, you know, for your hair, I mean, people are going to go, Oh, you know, yeah, you know, but, but you know, that's the same thing. Like, and I've been guilty of having those thoughts too, where I look at people and go, you know, yeah. Uh, what a guy! Like, you look how unconfident he is that he wants to save his hair, right, or whatever. Like, you should get over it, pussy, right? But it's not that easy. Um, well, first off, I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to better yourself. 
yeah. physically. I think that's that's just a natural human uh, need and want. Um, and I don't know if there's anything wrong for a guy to admit that it's fairly traumatizing to start losing your hair at a young age, mm-hmm. right? I mean, so much of what we, you know, what we rely on or what we count on, count on for ourselves, for our self-esteem relies on the physicality or, or physical nature of who we are. And so losing your hair is kind of a big deal. Oh, yeah. Um, for a lot of guys, eventually, by the way, you just, it's who cares. You, st- you do get to a point, by the way, where I don't know how old you are, but I got to a point. I was like, well, this is just who I am. And I'm going to, I'm going to triage this as much as seemingly possible, but I'm just going to work on the other aspects of my life that can make me cool. It's you know, I've, I, I used to be really, really overweight when I was in college as well. And I've talked about that a lot. And so a lot of, a lot of sharing my workout regimen, a lot of um, talking to other people about that is kind of therapy for me on that level too, of saying like, I still don't like my body. I don't like how I look with my shirt off. I will always see myself on camera and see that, that, you know, overweight person that I used to be. Um, but honestly, and I believe this in my heart, there are more people like me than there are perfect people. Absolutely. There's no perfect people. Everyone's got something they hate about themselves. And if they don't, they'll find something, trust me, because that's what our culture does to you. And so I think that that's, you know, you just have to cut, you got to cut through the fat of it all. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> you got, and, and you got to find sort of, you know, the, the truth in it. And the truth in it is, yeah, it's okay to be insecure about stuff. It's okay to have problems. It just is. Everyone does. You, there's no, I don't know any person that doesn't have an anxiety inducing issue in their life right now. I just don't know anyone. And I, I know a lot of fucking I people. I have no idea how they do it. I would hate to meet that person. I'd, I'd slap that person. <laughs> like, shut your, I'd be like, you're lying. You're just, you're lying. Yeah. You've got something that is you're terrified of, or you've got something that you don't like about yourself, or you've got something that you want to change. Um, and, and I think that like change is a very powerful thing. And I've seen it happen in my life over the last three years. And that's why I, you know, and it terrifies me every time I turn on, I talk about Nick at night. Like I, I just, I get, I do get really nervous about that when I, when I turn the camera on myself, cause I'm like, I don't, I don't know if this is gonna, I don't know how I'm going to come off to people. Yeah. Right. Um, but the more and more I do it and the more and more I see people going, Hey man, that's, it's cool that you're doing that. It helps me out. The more validated it is for me. And that's, that's the reality I want to live in. Yeah. hundred percent. And, uh, before I let this become, I mean, I could do like two hours of a Nick and Josiah therapy session, <laughs> but, uh, to bring it back around to kind of close it off on kind of funny, um, in a perfect world, where is kind of funny in 2018, 2019 and beyond? It's hard to have a five year plan with this type of thing. You just don't know which direction it's going to grow. And I think five year plans don't always work with something that you want to kind of be agile in a certain extent that you want to go in different directions as you think of new things. But what's kind of your plan for where kind of kind of funny is going to go moving forward? Um, that's the question we ask ourselves a lot. In fact, I think we have a big meeting on Friday just to talk about sort of what we're going to do next year. The importance for me is and always will be, um, growing the community and, and, and having a group of people out there that are continually finding each other and, and, and growing in both personally and like, and, you know, growing numbers, growing all that stuff. Um, I just, I, it's funny. People ask me what I do and I, I hate the canned answer. I hate to sound cheesy, but I'm like, we don't make videos. We build community that yeah. people go, you know, and, and, and people come to watch our stuff. And that's how, that's how they, you know, that's how they congregate. Um, so I think the importance isn't always will be, um, the audience and isn't always will be kind of keeping them happy and, and growing that audience and adding more people to our ranks and just making this thing a bigger thing every year. Yeah, absolutely. And if, if people do want to find you on social media, uh, where would they do that? And also what do you, what do you have cooking right now for kind of funny that you could talk about? 
Uh, if you want to find me on social media, you can follow me on Twitter at Nick underscore Scarpino because there is another Nick Scarpino and he's better at social media than I am, apparently. Yeah, it's brutal. He's a nice guy, actually. We've no. met. No, he's a really nice guy. He works for Portillo's, which is Greg's favorite um, oh, geez, hot dog yeah. place. Yeah, he's like a VP of marketing over there. And he's like, we actually met him in Chicago. It was hilarious. I'm like, this is like, I'm like, this is like that scene from Time Cop. Um, right now, we are basically, I think we're just planning stuff for the next year. And we, we're trying to figure out kind of what, if any, new products that we're doing. We're, we're experimenting with seasonal content. We just launched um, about four weeks ago Cooking with Greggy, which was uh, an eight-episode run of things that we're going to do. Um, so instead of making shows every day or weekly, we're kind of going like, okay, can we back off that, take the same amount of energy and put them into eight episodes or something and see if that resonates with the audience. Um, and so that's working. That, that, that I think was a show that people really liked, and so we're going to try to replicate that. We have a few other ideas um, on that front, um, at some point I want to bring back, um, love sex, love and sex stuff, which is, uh, our love and advice show. Cause that's super fun to do. And that's, that is a show where I do feel comfortable, um, you know, talking about the same things we've been talking about for the last 40 minutes. I think it's a good place for people to go to, to ask questions and get really candid answers from us. Um, and then, yeah, man, uh, I think that's it for now. I don't think there's anything else I can share. No, no exclusives no big exclusive news you can break right now ah no one cares about our exclusives we, we're just gonna keep going man I mean, that's the thing that's that i mean so to me it's just again have as much fun as humanly possible and share that with people that give a shit yeah. um and that's that's you know we had a great day yesterday and greg tweeted out he's like wow it's days like this that make me really like look forward to tomorrow and i'm like i want to make that every day yeah. i want to make every day the day that i want to relive um and i want to share that with people out there and hopefully inspire them to do the same this is perfect. I, I've had a shit week, and I think you just turned it around. Like we have this yeah. conversation is exactly what I needed. Uh, Nick, thanks so much for doing this. I, again, I appreciate just how open and candid you are about this stuff, and I really like what you guys are doing. It kind of funny. I love this turn that games media is a weird term for it because it's really not. But you and Giant Bomb and other places out there have put personalities first and put community first, and it's it's awesome to see how well you guys are doing. I can't wait to see uh, what you guys do for the rest of the year. I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for having me on. This has been great. Absolutely. Thanks again for everyone for listening. Hope you tune back in for the next episode of the 1099.